Hey, welcome to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician, been taking care of athletes of all ages and all uh, different levels for the last 20, 25 years, man. Great to have you on our show today. If you're just catching your sports medicine radio show, Docs and Jocks, for the very first time, we uh, what we do here is we talk about what's going on in the sports world with regards to sports entertainment, but we do it from a sports medicine niche. So maybe you have a hip, a back, a shoulder problem, a lot like maybe one of your favorite players does, and we talk about what that those types of injuries include and how we treat them and how long they typically take to get better. So we can also help you. Also, you can be part of our show by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X, njox.com and there you can contact us send us your own question and we'd be glad to have you on uh, and answer maybe one of your questions you're having in regard to your sports injury that you're going and working yourself through so we'd love to have you be part of our show any way you can the other way you can do that is by joining us on social media just go to docsandjocks.com and you can find out how to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. You can find it there at uh, doxnjox.com. And I'm joined this week by 20-year head baseball coach at the Abilene High uh, High School. And uh, Coach Scotty Sanchez is in studio with us, longtime friend of Docs and Jocks. Coach Sanchez, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me back. I know we miss Ferris, but it's good to be here with you again. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be talking a lot of baseball. We've got a lot of men. Baseball's really picking up right now, just a little bit, uh, almost, almost uh, to the midseason stride. So we're getting some feel of where some teams are going to probably be going in that second half. Are you a buyer or seller? Those types of things. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about little NBA playoffs. Uh, speaking of which, we're going to have some great guests, one of which is uh, Dr. Paul Sines. Uh, pa- uh, Dr. Paul Sines is the San Antonio Spurs uh, head team physician. And Scotty Sanchez, big San Antonio. Spurs fan, so you already got your questions lined up for uh, uh, Dr. Signs, uh, Scotty? Or I'm putting some together right now. But it's <laughs> exciting. I know they just got uh, put out, but uh, you know, an organization that does things the right way, yeah. Coach Pop, and, yeah. and and you know, some guys that you just pull for because they seem to right. be down to earth, really good guys. Yeah, and unfortunately, got knocked out by the stinking Golden State Warriors, but that's that's neither here nor there. But we will be talking some NBA Finals coming up as well. Also, we'll be talking to uh, Austin Gamble. Austin is a former linebacker for uh, Duke University. I know Duke's not known for football; they're known mainly for basketball, but they do have a football program there too and he actually led them to their first uh, bowl game he was on part of that team in uh, 19 years it'll be fun talking to him he is also right now competing for an olympic uh, discus thrower spot and so he was a great uh, ncaa uh, all-american discus thrower so we'll be talking about that he's also at the hardin simmons university where he's coaching track and field now as he gets his uh, master's and doctorate degree so we're talking to austin gamble we're talking to dr paul signs all that and more here on docs and jocks your sports medicine radio show stay tuned with us we'll be right back You're listening to Guy Talk, live from the Sport Clips Haircuts locker room. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, my girlfriend beat me playing one-on-one. Ooh, sounds like you need to hit up a Sport Clips for an awesome haircut experience and some quality man time. I don't know. My girlfriend always takes me to her salon. Nonsense. Be your own man and get a great haircut in a guy-friendly place from stylists who know what guys need. You may be right. Sure I'm right. Now grab your Y chromosome, get down to Sport Clips, and ask for the MVP. Sport Clips. It's good to be a guy. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. 
Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sports Spine. Great to have you with us today. We're coming to you from inside Docs and Jocks radio studio, which is right next to D1 Abilene, a high-intensity sports training facility where, man, young uh, athletes, uh, adults, all ages all work out and are getting better. Man, we see a group of uh, young uh, adults right now just hammering it out there, getting better. A lot of fun seeing people working out. Scotty, isn't it? Oh, I'm telling you, I've got a bunch of former students out there that are trying to make <laughs> yeah. themselves better. I'm tired uh, just watching these guys, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's impressive to see. You know, and it's all walks. A bunch of people coming here and just have a great time and, and you know, and make themselves better. Yeah, the uh, athlete is the uh, – oh, there's an athlete and all of us trying to get out, and the exercise program that is the best one for you is the one that you will do. So come check out D1 Abilene and see if it's maybe the place for you. You get a free trial. Just go to d1abilene.com and uh, find out more about that. do want to say thank you to our sponsors of this segment of Docs and Jocks. Uh, couldn't do our show without our wonderful sponsors, Sport Clips and Buffalo Wild Wings. want to say thank you to both of them for sponsoring uh, Docs and Jocks. Hey, let's just jump right in. And Scotty Sanchez, my co-host today, is a 20-year high school baseball coach. We'll talk a little bit of uh, baseball later on, but let's jump into the NBA right now. Man, you saw the Boston Celtics just fall to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, LeBron James, we're going to talk about him in a second, all the great things that he continues to do and the records he keeps breaking. But a big injury component to this playoffs this year was Boston Celtics have made a pretty good run. Uh, they made it into the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, and there they were stopped partly because of an injury to their star point guard, Isaiah Thomas. And, uh, and it's still hard for me, Scotty. You're, you and I are of the same age, and Isaiah Thomas, I still think of Detroit Pistons point guard. You know, it's hard to say Boston Celtics point guard, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas. It's just it's hard to roll off the tongue for me being an old guy. But do you catch yourself doing that? Oh, absolutely. I think of, uh, you know, of course, the Isaiah Thomas yeah. that played for the Pistons, and that sure. was Magic's good friend for, for so long and for a long time. Well, you know, is this his son? But, you know, there's no relation. But uh, it, you're right. It's hard to think of Isaiah Thomas and Boston Celtics. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they'll get this thing right when they have a trade and they'll get him to the team that he's supposed to be on. He, you know, he, he belongs with the Pistons. Uh, by the way, of a sports medicine uh, story that regards the old Isaiah Thomas, remember you were talking about him being good friends with Magic Johnson. And Magic Johnson was uh, HIV positive. He hadn't developed AIDS yet, which is the syndrome where you drop your immune cells down low. But he had been tested positive for the virus that causes AIDS. And he was HIV positive, And there was a real question whether or not he should play in the NBA with a sweat get on other players it caused them this is this in the early stages of, of hiv and aids knowledge and so isaiah thomas remember walked up to him before a game and they gave each other a kiss do you remember that i do remember it, that. it was it was a little awkward you know just as far as far as go, but he was just showing that hey it's okay if, if i'm isaiah thomas an all-star point guard and i'm willing to give my good friend here a, a kiss then uh, it's, it's okay it's cool so that was that was part of him saying hey it's all right for magic to still be out here playing with us well you know that was a you know that it's amazing to think that it's been you know, how many years since that happened and how far Gosh, we've come and and just the way we, uh, you know, acknowledge the uh, the illness itself. Yeah, so. exactly. But the uh, Boston Celtics point guard, Isaiah Thomas, he went out uh, after game two against Cleveland Cavaliers. Obviously, there was some crazy talk. The Cavaliers uh, lost to the Celtics in game three when Isaiah Thomas went there. They're like, well, maybe we didn't need him. Whatever. You can always have a good game for a while without your star players. But there's a reason they're your star players. They score a lot of points and make a lot of assists. And uh, they went on and got swept uh, the next two games after they won one. But Isaiah Thomas went out with what's called – FAI, or femoral acetabular impingement. And that's a big, uh, fancy word, FAI. This is why we call it short, because it's a big mouthful saying it the other way. But you're basically your femur, which is your upper leg bone, it has a great big ball on the top of it, and it fits into what's called a acetabulum, which is a great big cup. So you've got a great big cup with a great big ball making up your hip joint up the top of your leg, in your groin area. 
And uh, some people, the way that the ball is shaped and the acetabulum, how it configures, that cup, how it is configured around the ball, will sometimes rub and pinch and cause you to get an impingement of where those two things come together. And it gives you a clicking sensation in your groin, gives you discomfort that will make it hard sometimes to turn your hip a certain direction. And every time you turn or twist, you'll get a clicking or popping and it becomes very painful. It can sometimes be associated with tearing the little ring of cartilage that sits on the cup. You know, you've got a great big cup around a great big ball. That's your hip. But to make the cup even deeper, you have a little ring of cartilage, kind of like the stuff at the end of your nose, that goes around the outer edge of that ring. And it will sometimes get torn, and it will give also a labral tear. That piece of cartilage is called a labrum, and it will give you a labral tear, and it will also uh, impinge pinch on that labrum and then give you a, a tearing or clicking or painful sensation as you have a labral tear. So they lose Isaiah Thomas. He goes down with that injury, and then they go on and lose the series. But it always seems like, you know, you have to have a great group of talented young players. You have to have, you know, right timing. Sometimes it's better. What do we say? It's, what do you say in baseball? Sometimes it's better to be hot than uh, talented. You know, you want to you <laughs> get it, you know, because you have different times in a season where everything seems like it goes sure. right. So you got to have that happen in the playoffs. And then we oftentimes forget that you have to be somewhat lucky and not have an injury to your best players or to any player, really, that, that is, is in the run with you. But you've got to avoid the injury bug. And unfortunately, Boston Celtics, they're a good team. I wouldn't say they're better than the Cavaliers going into it. But they were a hot team that then has an injury bug. They got two out of the three wrong, and they end up losing the series. But don't you think him going down made a big play in the series? Well, there's no question. You know, throughout the course of the uh, season, he was the guy. He was the fourth quarter guy, the second half guy that really gave him their spark and, you know, tended to play his best basketball when everybody else was wearing down. Isaiah yeah. Thomas in the third and fourth quarter was really starting to put, uh, you know, a number of points on the board or, or get his teammates involved yeah. in that part of the ball game when, uh, you know, when it's crunch time. So not to be able to have that when you've depended on it throughout the course of the season is obviously going to make a big difference come playoff time. Yeah, they uh, are still undecided whether or not to do the surgery with a femoral acetabular impingement. You sometimes will go in there and shade down the part of the uh, femur that is rubbing on the uh, cup, and it will uh, the change in uh, that anatomy will then avoid that impingement-type pain you get. Uh, other times you can do some different types of rehab, and you try and uh, work different muscles so they're not the, – the muscles that surround the uh, hip – are big, strong, powerful muscles, and sometimes how they pull will also cause the impingement or the uh, uh, pinching to be lessened when you stretch those muscles. So there's sometimes we'll try some rehabilitation first and see if they get each other better. Now, if you all have listened to Docs and Jocks for any length of period at all, uh, one of the things I'm huge here is I'm a huge component of core stability. So you, when we talk about your core, remember, Scotty, you, all you are in life is you're a box with four little pendulums hanging off it. Make it real easy. Then you've got a head, a cannonball sitting on top of it. So your core is the box. So if you get weak muscles around the box, basically your platform then is unsteady. You've heard people talk about sports hernias. You've heard people talk about uh, oblique strains. We didn't hear that a lot. You know, you hear about core strains, you know, and they'll put them down for a while because a sports hernia is basically the lower portion of the core, the front of the box. You get a weak spot in it, and it, whenever the muscles in, uh, engage, it irritates it, and it pulls, and it causes pain. So... There are some pretty famous doctors. Dr. Will Myers is a guy who's a sports hernia expert. Uh, there's some, also some doctors who are very specialized in FAI, or what Isaiah Thomas had, uh, femoral acetabular impingement. And they think the two of them go together. And it makes kind of sense. If you have a box that is what the pendulums hang off of and the box wobbles, you then, the pendulums, are going to do crazy stuff, right? So if I'm moving a box through space and I wobble it, now the pendulums that are attached to it are doing funky stuff. 
that's kind of a, a overplay of what we do in life, but it's not much. So if you get a little bit of wobble or instability in your core muscles, then what happens, you get er other areas in the kinetic chain or in the pendulums that then get pinched or rubbed on or irritated easier. So some people believe that a lot of these injuries we see, whether it's in your hip or in your knee or in your ankle, all go back to at least a part of it to how the core or the platform is, is working. So if you had a house and you're building a house and your platform is on a waterbed and it's not on a cement slab, it's going to probably make your house unsteady and you're going to have problems in the house. Going and replacing your siding on the house when the house foundation isn't steady doesn't make a lot of sense, right? So just doing work on the hip and, the, and not checking out the kinetic chain above and below and how the foundation is working would be like missing a core stability problem when someone has a hip problem. Does that make sense? Well, there's no question. You know, just in my time at Abilene High School, we had the opportunity to go see what other schools did or what colleges did or, you know, from time to time to see what some pro athletes did in order to get ready for the season. And as uh, I spend more and more time there, you know, it used to be where we would get done with the season and we'd start hitting the weights pretty quickly right after. Um, and we've evolved, obviously, with getting the information from you guys that was so helpful. Uh, we would spend a good amount of time getting those guys and hitting them and you know, trying to strengthen the core, as you said, um, before we started <laughs> trying to really you know, hit yeah. the weights. And uh, so you know, we, we started you build the foundation. We were building time. the foundation first, and what we saw was uh, you know, a big-time decrease in uh, injuries and a big-time increase in now the amount of uh, weight and, and, and the things that we could push. Yeah. So if you're listening at home and maybe you've uh, been a couch potato, we've all been there, and you haven't been off the couch in a while, and you think, well, I need to get into an exercise program, start with the foundation. Start with some core strengthening exercises like leg lifts, do your lower abs, crunches, do your upper abs, uh, obliques are like Russian twists where you go back and forth with the ball. Uh, you can also do a crunch with a slight twist. That does your obliques. That's the side of the core. And then your back muscles in the back, you could do like, uh, I call them uh, bird dog exercise. Got it with your hands and knees, put one arm in front of you, one leg behind you. That strengthens up those muscles in the back. Superman's, you've probably seen where you lay flat in your stomach and raise up your arms and your legs. That also does those back strap muscles as well. So if you'll just think about the core as a box and you have to strengthen all sides of the box, that's a great place to start if you want to get back into a workout program. And uh, get back into strengthening yourself. Start with the foundation. Do a core stability program. Get yourself used to doing that. And then get back into doing some of the other exercises that you enjoy doing. So that's just a little tip here on Docs and Jocks and how to get back and get yourself exercising again. A couple of cool things coming up with the uh, – so now we got Golden State playing against uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs. One of the cool stories is because Steve Kerr is out – remember we talked about this on Docs and Jocks uh, two weeks ago. Steve Kerr is out with a previous uh, – complication from a back surgery he had a leaking fluid out of the sack where that holds your nerves in your lower back that was accidentally uh inadvertently injured during a time of back surgery that was causing him to have severe headaches he was going to have further treatment on that because he was having incapacitating ability to uh stay up straight because he was having tremendous headaches due to the intracranial pressure change when you lose some of that fluid and so steve kerr is going to be out so now mike brown who was the former cleveland cavaliers coach who some people suggest that LeBron James was the reason that he got fired. He is now going to be coaching against LeBron James when he comes back. So what do you think about the LeBron James-Mike Brown? Uh, we call it a reunion, given the fact they're on opposite sides, or what do you think about them having the showdown, maybe is a better term? You know, they've both been real cordial up to this point, but it's going to be interesting to see as the series goes on and, uh, you know, the tensions start to yeah. rise to see if that, you know, if that cordial, uh, those, that cordial demeanor continues to... Because you know, to, Jermaine, uh, 
Draymond Green. How do you say his first name? I just forgot. Green. Draymond Green. Yes, Draymond yeah. Green. You know he's going to be antagonizing LeBron and antagonizing everybody. So, you know, if there's any way he can kind of spice it up and get uh, Mike Brown and uh, LeBron, you want to kind of get in LeBron's head. He's the he's a 600-pound gorilla that's just a great, great basketball player on the basketball court that is just that good that if you can get him riled up, man, he's the guy that you can hopefully get him out of his game because you got to do something. He's that good. We'll be talking about him and all the records he's getting ready to break and has broken uh, when we come back here on Docs and Jocks. Have mercy on me. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sports Spine. Great to have you with us. If you're catching our show for the very first time, want to find out more about your sports medicine radio show, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, and there you can find out all, all about our show. I'm joined today by my co-host, which is Scotty Sanchez, 20-year-plus head baseball coach at Abilene High University. Abilene High University, I just like bumped them up, man. That's awesome. We know what the Abilene graduates High. that we put out. University is appropriate. <laughs> University. Abilene High High School, uh, who, would, by the way, was a team of the century uh, won multiple uh, back-to-back-to-back uh, football championships as well as people forget Scotty state baseball championships as well and then Scotty Sanchez was there when uh, they won their next uh, state championship in football in 2000 and 2009 nine. Golly, it's almost been a decade yeah ago we're closing now. on a decade Isn't and that that's been a fast decade yeah and then how many baseball games uh, did you win in your high in your high school career uh, I believe it was uh, I was close to 200 so uh, it was 190. 192, really? I believe. You've got to um, make a comeback, man, getting that up to 200. We don't got to get that to 200. <laughs> I've got to somehow find, go back and recheck those records and maybe. You'd only need eight more games of coach and you'd be at 200. <laughs> eight more games of coach and you know you're going to win all of them. You're going to win all of them. You know it's going to happen. Oh, that's a, that's outstanding. You know, if I go back and count, uh, well, wait, let's just keep it 192. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. In it. Hey, we're talking, to, before the commercial break, we we're talking about the NBA playoff finals and how uh, Boston Celtics lost their point guard, Isaiah Thomas. And uh, we were talking also about some of the records LeBron James is now closing in on or has broken. He just broke the all-time leading scorer in NBA playoff history. He went to 5,989 points. He passed who, of course, the great MJ, Michael Jordan. Listen to the names on the list of the top ten all-time leading scorers in NBA playoffs. You could probably do them, Scott, if you thought about it. LeBron James, Michael Jordan, one and two. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, number three. Remember, he made that long playoff run with the uh, Lakers. Kobe Bryant. Uh, then you go Shaquille O'Neal. So it's amazing you have three of the top five being uh, former L.A. Lakers. Then you go to Tim Duncan. Carl Malone, the mailman, Dr. J. They just doesn't even need a name. Julius Irving's his name, but Dr. J. He was my favorite growing up. Was he your favorite growing up? Your Sixers fan? I was a. Uh, I came through with uh, Magic and Larry. Oh and At yeah. the time, loved Magic and uh, was not a big fan of Larry. But you know, now <laughs> that I've that I've grown and uh, man, they're both amazing. Who were you for in the NCAA playoffs when uh, in the championship when uh, I, Indiana State played? Michigan State. You had Larry Bird playing Magic Johnson. Who yeah, well, playing? man, that was uh, you know that was the game that uh, really turned me on to basketball. That uh-huh. was an amazing game back then. And uh, oh, I was from Michigan State. I was yeah, from Magic. I was an Indiana and, State uh, guy because I'm from Illinois. So, but yeah. after you know after reading the story, they've got a great uh, they've got a great document uh, documentary on the friendship between those two guys and uh, how alike they were. Um, 
uh, I've grown a great deal of respect for Larry Larry Bird and you anybody know, who, who take Indiana State to the NBA. I mean, to the uh, NCAA finals. That's pretty amazing, man. They haven't been on. They haven't been close before or nor after. So he was a one man show for sure. No one else on that team went to the NBA. I mean, he was a truly, truly a one man show from French Lick, Indiana. By the way, can't French make, Lick, Indiana can't make that up. Yeah. You know, he was uh, recruited by Bobby Knight. Went to Indiana. Wasn't uh, you know really one his cup of tea. Um, yeah. You know, avoided the spotlight, didn't like the spotlight, and uh, found a home at Indiana State. Indiana and, State. Man, boy, good thing for them. It Terre Haute, Indiana, man. Doesn't get any better than that, huh? Dr. J, and then you go Jerry West, and then uh, Tony Parker, and then to round out, uh, he's actually number 11 on the board, is Larry Bird. We were just talking about Larry Bird, right. so he's number 11 on the board. So, man, that's some great names there. That, that would be fun if, like, you had a uh, – you could take those top ten – and, like, play a game, like, draft them out and, like, <laughs> play at the top ten against each other. But isn't that crazy, man? All-time leading NBA scorer now in playoff history is LeBron James, who goes in and passes Michael Jordan. You know, the crazy part of LeBron James, so he finishes fourth in the NBA voting in, in, in most valuable player this year. Fourth. LeBron James in this year's season is four. You got James Harden. Uh, then they put Kawhi Leonard. And uh, who am I leaving out? Who am I leaving out here, Scotty? I can't Was remember. it Isaiah Thomas? No, it wasn't no. Isaiah Thomas. Anyway, I'll think of it here in a second. And uh, so, James Harden. Was it James Harden? Yeah, it was Harden. Leonard. Leonard. And then there's somebody and James. I can't think. Uh, Hawk, my crack producer, will be all over that. Russell. Oh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, we're breaking oh, all the triple doubles. Good well, night. What go. am I thinking? Yeah, of course. Triple double guy. So, and then, so LeBron James finished fourth in MVP voting, and uh, he will now be in his seventh straight NBA Finals. Isn't that crazy? I think LeBron James, this is my opinion, I think he gets penalized because he's that good. I mean, he's just that good. He's, he's a good enough ball handler. He can be a point guard. He's a big enough man. He can be a post-up center. And he's a good enough three-point shooter. You've got to guard him outside. I mean, he's everything as far as a different player. I mean, they used to always say Magic Johnson was the guy that could be a point guard, be an inside center if he had to be. But LeBron's that and more. He's bigger and he's stronger and he's just more powerful. And he's, I think he gets penalized because he's that good. He's like the New York Yankees of basketball. They win, used to win all the time. Sorry, Scotty, I've said that. But they're doing pretty good right now. But <laughs> they are doing very well. <laughs> but Scotty is a Yankees fan. And, uh, but, the, you know, if you continue to win, there's almost like a winner's you know, fatigue you get with it. And I feel like that's where LeBron James is. You know, and I don't think he's really had that antagonist. You know, you've, you know, like I said, you had Magic and you had Larry. You know, who's really been the guy to, uh, uh, you know, even when uh, Jordan was coming through, you know, you still had those guys towards the end of their career. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really haven't had anybody that uh, – has measured up to LeBron or has been able to challenge him as the best player in the NBA. You know, even though these other guys <laughs> yeah. are, you know, Nothing one, two, three. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. You know, those Kawhi other Leonard. guys are, you know, one, two, three. Um, but, you know, LeBron, he, he's a special He's a special. If athlete. you're drafted an NBA team right now, after this year, who you pick at number one on your NBA team this year? It's LeBron James. There's it's no LeBron question. There's and there's nothing against. Well, Leonard is awesome. Harden is awesome. And Westbrook is awesome. But I'm drafting LeBron <laughs> James number one. I might. I might on the list of top ten all-time NBA playoff uh, point leaders, I might draft LeBron James number one over them. I mean, it's in contention between him and Michael Jordan. We're huge Michael Jordan fans, MJ fans. But as far as just drafting a team, I might pick him number one over those all-time top ten guys. And you got LeBron, Jordan, Kareem, Kobe, Shaquille, Duncan, Malone, Dr. J, Jerry West, Tony Parker, Larry Bird, and I might take LeBron James over them. If I'm taking him over them, I'm definitely taking him over Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Kawhi Leonard. Sure. And those are fine NBA players. Oh, great NBA players. And, uh, you know, and Kawhi Leonard, I mean, what, a, what an interesting, what a great 
character off the court as well. Yeah. So I'm going to let you have LeBron, but I'm going. I'm going to take Magic and Larry. You know, those, I'm going to have those two guys yeah. lead my team. It's so hard for me to say. <laughs> you know what it is too? It's sentimental. I want to pick Julius Irving. If I had to pick a team, I'd pick Julius Irving because just because I want to beat him. <laughs> you know, he was just your. You're going to pick who you grew up watching and who you liked. Absolutely. And MJ is incredible. I mean, how can you go wrong there too? He was such a competitor, but he wasn't the size of LeBron. I mean, LeBron's just gigantic. He's just a huge man, and he plays like Michael Jordan outside, but he's just that big on the inside. They'll say, well, Michael Jordan had more of a competitive streak to him. Well, he's been, LeBron's been a seven straight NBA finals. He's pretty, pretty competitive, man. Come on. Oh, there's no question. I think he, uh, you know, again, I think you got to look for things to try to, uh, yeah, tear to play, down. you know, to play the antagonist for LeBron James, yeah. but you know, and his record speaks for itself. But be fourth in the NBA MVP voting this year is just, a, it's just, a, it's winner's fatigue is what it has to be. I mean, come <laughs> on. You ought to just give it to him. He's that good. So anyway, hey, speaking of uh, being really good, an NFL Hall of Famer passes away this week, Cortez Kennedy. And those of you uh, who don't remember him, Cortez Kennedy was a number one draft pick back in the late 80s for the Seattle Seahawks. You know, when you play for the Seahawks and you're a great pass rusher and you have, you know, you have 14 sacks the same year that Bruce Smith does, but you play in Seattle and he plays in New York, it's, it's, it's just the difference of where you're playing at. So a lot of people don't remember him, but he had a great career. He was a great defensive uh, lineman that had a lot of sacks every year. He passes away at age 48. And you might remember him, Scotty, like I do. I remember Cortez Kennedy almost as much for playing for the U as I remember him sure. playing in the NFL. He was a fine NFL guy, and he was really – I think he was first-round draft pick overall the year he went in. But for those of you who don't, are young enough that you don't remember Miami University, the University of Miami, when they were really, really at their heyday, they were just a crazy fun team to watch. They had – who was their coach? Scott Erickson or uh, Dennis, uh, Dennis Scott Erickson? Erickson De- yeah. no, Dennis Erickson and then yeah. Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Um, took over at the U, and they did. They played with – well, at that time, you know, they were one of the first college teams to really play with that type of swagger. I mean, yeah. they, I mean, they, they were really a team that – they would Irvin. intimidate They yeah. would intimidate their opponents. You know, yeah. I remember the, uh, uh, you know, the Catholics versus convicts game, you know, with oh, Notre Dame, yeah. you know, the one where they finally – Notre Dame finally ended the streak. But, uh, you know, the, the fight got started. The brawl got started before the ball game as Notre Dame stretching on the field, uh, Miami – finishes their pregame warm-ups and just walks right through the middle of the Notre Dame players that are stretching. And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, Notre Dame at that point had been destroyed by Miami the two previous years. Uh-huh. And finally, under Lou Holtz, uh, had enough courage, said, you know, not not today, not in this place. And, and what, a, you know, what a great game that was. Did you ever see the uh, 30 on 30 uh, talking about the guy that actually came up with the shirts that Catholic convicts? <laughs> he got all kind of sued and he lost all his money. And Oh, man, if, if you hadn't seen it, you know, that that's a great story. Yeah, to it gives watch. the whole lead up to that game, too, talking about it so it's a great great 30 on 30 that's one of the best things ever yeah that was a great game you know the guy uh actually you know at that time notre dame would take one walk on per year and the guy had earned that spot and this had been his lifetime dream and ended up losing that spot because of the the t-shirt that he produced yes isn't that crazy yeah so but cortez kennedy one of the players from the u he uh, passes away and he's only 48 years of age so here's whenever i see these things i see these men who are gigantic gigantic men you know cortez kennedy well over 300 pounds and he passes away at age 48. Remember, when you're a large man, first of all, if you're sitting next to someone right now and it's another man, if there's two men to listening to the radio show, look at the other guy next to you. One of the two of you are going to die of heart disease. And your presenting symptom in heart disease is most commonly sudden death. I'm looking at you right now, Scotty Sanchez. <laughs> well, I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping it's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, every dude's looking at the other guy saying, it's going to be you, man. But one of the two of you, just as statistics, so – this is what actuarials do for life insurance policies, right? So one of the two of us, Scotty, is going to pass away of a heart attack. That's just the odds we have. And our presenting symptom is most likely sudden death. So you're a giant man. You probably have hypertension. You probably have, uh, the odds are you have some sleep apnea. 
which causes hypertension, poor oxygen in your blood, where you snore real loud at night and you actually go, we don't breathe for a while. All those things are risk factors, hypertension, high cholesterol diets, uh, family history, uh, being African-American also increases your risk for heart disease. All those things make your heart a risk factors very high and a high likelihood of having heart disease. And so this, whenever I see a young man like Cortez Kennedy, who's in the prime of his life, 48 years old and beloved by his family and his friends, everything on the internet, they, everybody loved this guy. He's one of those guys that recognized the janitor, the, the, the team athletic trainer, the, the field, uh, you know, managers. He, he just always that kind of gregarious personality. You hate to see him stopped in the mid, mid portion of life, right? And they're in their heydays. And this is the time when they're out there making a difference in other young men's lives. And uh, so just go and get those things checked. You know, hypertension is something you can look into and you can take care of. If you have a high cholesterol diet, high triglycerides, high fatty diet, you can take care of those things and you can monitor them. If you're not getting the right amount of exercise that helps keep your heart, you know, beating correctly, aerobic exercise, mix in with some good uh, strength and conditioning, though those types of things will help you with your heart disease. So just take care of yourself. I don't know what Cortez Kennedy died. They said he died of natural causes. But a 48-year-old man who's a large man who played lineman in the NFL, we know they have a shortened lifespan. So those are the kind of things you start thinking about. If you don't take care of them, then it's too late. You know, we, we're now without Cortez Kennedy because he died suddenly. And uh, so it just, uh, just just put that in the back of your mind. I, I want to be a, a Debbie Downer here on Docs and Jocks, but life's short. It doesn't need to be too short, right? Sure. So, I mean, 48 years. I mean, he, he, was, he was a young man. He's my age. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, too many times, you know, you hear about a football player, um, you know, passing away at that age. And uh, immediately, you know, you start thinking about those things. And one of the things that comes to your mind now, and I know we're going to talk with the doctor here pretty soon, is uh, – you know, did uh, concussions, did anything, yeah. did he have any type of brain-related, uh, uh, and I, I think the early reports have shown that, uh, yeah. I and mean, we won't know anything conclusively about what, you know, what his brain was like for a while, obviously, but, uh, you, know, you know, that's one of those scary things that we think about now when we, when we lose somebody, especially that played in the NFL at this time. Yeah, I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Sines is who he's, uh, Dr., or uh, Scotty Sanchez, I'm just called Dr. Sanchez. That was nice. Hey, I'll take it. I, just boy, said I, you're came, I came from a university. I and coach of Abilene High University, and uh, now you're Dr. Sanchez. I so. tell you what, if I stay here much longer, I'm going to be the president of the United States, <laughs> yes. and I'd appreciate everybody out there support. You, actually, you came in uh, wearing your Trump mask today. I which did. Very, yes, you I did. did. Yeah. So anyway, but we uh, we talked to Dr. Paul Sines, and he's been one of the guys that's in, in the front in uh, in the front battles with uh, concussions. He's been really a lead investigator and a lead uh safety uh, personnel for, for as far as sports medicine goes, trying to find out, you know, what can we do to prevent concussions and what can we do when we find out someone has a concussion? What is the management for that that is uh, both practical for the uh, player and when is it safe for him to return? Because we all love sports. We're not sports medicine physicians because we don't like sports. We're sports medicine physicians because we want to keep athletes healthy, but we also want to get them uh, back on the field and do it at their safety too, for, at, at their uh, benefit. So people always I – mean, it's funny – I do uh, my, um, my job, my day job. Is, I'm obviously, I uh, do radio once a week, but my day job, the pays for the radio, is actually being a sports medicine physician. And athletes always come in to see me, and you can tell they're always really nervous that what? I'm going to take them out of their sport, right? I'm like, look, I'm a sports medicine physician. I have trained in getting you back on the field as quickly as possible. So my goal is to try and get you on the field when it's safe for you to do so in a timely, quick manner. So that's what I'm all about, getting you back on the field, not taking you out of sports. So whenever I give them that little talk, it's like a you know, 14-, 15-year-old high school athlete. You can just tell, they kind of take a deep <laughs> breath, and we're like, okay, we're on the same page now. Because one thing is athletes, it's very hard as a sports medicine doctor, they don't want to tell you when they've been injured or they have concussions because why? 
you're going to take them out of their sport, right? So once you have given them the knowledge that your goal is to try and get them back out of safely and return to their sport as soon as possible, then it's a different mindset of how they they interact with you. But, yeah, it's it's definitely hard on the sidelines trying to get athletes to come speak with the uh, sports medicine staff, whether it's athletic trainers or team physicians, because they don't want to speak to us. We're almost like before game. All the athletes are like, I don't want to make eye contact with him. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? You've oh, been on lots of fields oh, and lots of – Absolutely. Yeah. I know we've had to hide some helmets from time to time from <laughs> yeah, players that, right. uh, you know, might have to go through concussion <laughs> protocol or something else, and they want to get back on the field. And, uh, you know, we're having to hide helmets to make sure yeah. that they're not sneaking back on the field. But, you, right. you know, you love that competitiveness. Uh, competitiveness. Right. But at the same time, you know, you've, you've got to be safe, and, and you want to make sure that you – know, you can't get better if you're hurt. Yeah. And uh, we want to make sure that – you know, we also don't want somebody spending a great deal of time in the uh, – in the doctor's office. So, right. you know, there's there's a fine line. You're right. You're right. Hey, when we come back, we'll be talking to Dr. Paul Sines. He is the team physician for San Antonio Spurs. He's also uh, the team physician for uh, the missions, the uh, AA baseball team there in San Antonio. Takes care of numerous high schools and colleges. We'll be talking to him and more here on Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. So we Welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, coming from inside D1 Abilene Sports Medicine Radio Studio. Great to have you with us. If you're just catching our show for the very first time, want to find out more about our sports medicine radio show, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Also remember, you can listen to us on our podcast, on iTunes, on your iTunes podcast app. Just click on that and go to Docs and Jocks. D-O-X-N-J-O-X. We do want to say thank you to all our wonderful sponsors, including uh, Lawrence Hall Chevrolet, First Financial Bank, as well as Sylvan Learning Center. Couldn't do our show here without our wonderful sponsors. And uh, have this week my co-host, Coach Scotty Sanchez, longtime Abilene High head baseball coach, as well as associate scout for the Chicago White Sox. And uh, Coach Sanchez, we have a a great guest online here. He's been on Docs and Jocks before, a good friend of Docs and Jocks. Uh, Dr. Paul Sines. Dr. Sines is a non-operative sports medicine physician who is one of the team physicians for the San Antonio Spurs, uh, the San Antonio Missions, one of the uh, AA baseball teams there, as well as uh, Incarnate Word, University of Incarnate Word, and multiple schools there in the San Antonio area. Dr. Sines, thanks for being on Docs and Jocks. Yeah, good to be back with you guys. Hey, uh, first of all, congratulations on a great playoff run. I know you wanted to go further and hopefully another NBA final to put on your wall there in San Antonio, but I thought the Spurs played great. One of the things that uh, happened uh, down the stretch, we always say that one of the things people kind of forget about sometimes is you have to be you know, very cognizant of the injury bug, and it seemed like it got you late in the season, losing Tony Parker. Kawhi Leonard uh, has an ankle injury. David Lee goes out as well with a, a knee injury. So talk to us about, as a sports medicine uh, physician, when some of your star players start going down like that in bunches, how hard that is to try and keep those guys on the court or trying to gel together as a team and keep on going. Well, that undoubtedly becomes the greatest challenge of a successful team is to stay healthy throughout the course of the season, particularly when you're trying to make a playoff run. And, you know, we sure got hit by the injury bug right down the stretch. And, unfortunately, I don't think it was a very even fight. I I think our team came together in a way that really maybe not everybody, including management, envisioned that we would get as far as we did, but the team really gelled, and we saw a rising superstar in Kawhi Leonard really truly becoming one of the penultimate players in the league. Uh, But, you know, it it really is a challenge, and 
we have a very understanding management and understand that injuries are part of the game and, and sometimes they're just not going to allow you to get players back out as in the case of Tony Parker or, you know, we all know that athletes require mother nature to assist us right. in getting them back to full capacity and so with Ka- where Kawhi and David Lee were concerned just not enough time left back in the season to, to get them back out on the court. One of the things we, I saw from the outside looking in it, it seemed like a great way for Coach Popovich to do what he did as far as Kawhi Leonard, you know, goes down with an ankle injury. He said, hey, uh, we're not going to play him this uh, upcoming game because it's my decision, not his, after talking with the team physicians. That seems like it takes the pressure off the player somewhat when a coach is willing to do that. Well, you hit the nail on the head. It it really does take the the burden off the team physicians, but as you probably know and have heard there there really is a culture here yeah. with our franchise and it's players first right it really is we're not going to sacrifice the long-term health of a player for a single playoff game uh, for the rewards that come with that and when you have a coach who really recognizes that this this athlete is the corner of the franchise then you are going to take care of them, whatever it takes. But but I really, truly also believe that if it was our 12th player and he had that much of a concern, then he's very likely to take the pressure off the docks. You know, sometimes as docks you feel like I, I it's my burden of responsibility yeah. to get this player back to play. Right. And my team needs him, and, and we all feel like we're part of a team that way. But ultimately, you know, you always use your best judgment and you do what's right for, in this case, your patient. Right. And, you know, one of the silver linings, if there is a silver lining to uh, injuries we see as sports medicine physicians, is that, you know, there's always an ability for another player to step up. And it is rewarding when you see a guy like Jonathan Simmons uh, step up and have the game he did against uh, Houston where he stepped up in his hometown and uh, came up big. It's got to be rewarding to see a player who maybe hasn't been getting as much playing time suddenly do so and then take advantage of it when he does. It's probably really exciting for the coaches, especially as they say that they will find somebody who can come in and fill the void and step up, and he certainly did that. I think that we saw glimpses of that last year and then certainly earlier in the season, and I think he's a player that's going to stick around the NBA for some time. Right. Hey, Dr. Sines, this is Scotty. Uh, one of the questions I had for you was, do you see, I mean, you work with baseball, you know, I've seen where you've done some uh, work with boxers, but you've been around a, a multifaceted um, area of sports. Do you see where one injury, whether it's to a star player or to another player, increases the risk of injury in another player because now they're they're doing, you know, they're playing in other roles or they're trying to step up and, and make up for the for the loss of any particular player? You know, sometimes you'll see a team – get hit by an injury bug and it just seems to you know exacerbate the the entire team i mean how do you think there's any validity to that or or how do you go about keeping that from from occurring well you know injuries seem to be infectious from time to time <laughs> if that's what you're alluding to and but you know what particularly when we look at younger athletes and we start to see that there's a pattern of injuries what it alerts a I think the astute sports medicine physician to do is is try and find some common denominators. Is there a particular technique, for example, that might be uh, in force in the training room that isn't isn't using sound principles? So you then have to really exaggerate, evaluate the system as a whole. Certainly, when we see things like 
infections running rampant through the training room, we realize that we've got to we've got to treat the training room as a whole. So similarly, when you see patterns of injury develop among groups of players, you have to begin to look at what are the training standards here. Is there a philosophy? You know, there are coaches in the league known to have three and four hour practices. And during the course of a season that is 82 games long with four games in five nights not being all that rare, you have to begin to invoke the principles of recovery. And that's something that's really become a real foundation of our franchise here in San Antonio is applying sports science to the formula and employing recovery methods. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you also are the team physician uh, for one of the, the missions baseball team. It's a double-A baseball team. We saw where some rule changes have taken place in the last few years in uh, both Major League and Minor League Baseball. One of the ones I've really uh, been appreciative of, because I think it doesn't take away from the game, but it helps uh, keep athletes on the field, is now sliding into second. You don't no longer able to go and take out the shortstop or the second baseman and run them over when you're trying to block a double play. I think that's been a beneficial rule change that, in my opinion, hasn't changed the game uh, for the uh, negative, which has only helped athlete safety. you find the same? Yeah, I think that if you look across sports over the ages, there have been adaptations as sports science and sports medicine have evolved and doctors are able to provide their input into methods of injury prevention, then they are being heard but at the at the policy level uh, from the individuals that are really running the, the structure and organization of the game. So... But, you know, it's interesting, and I'm sure, I'm sure Coach Sanchez will, will appreciate this, that there are some things that just go back to the way the game is played. And, yeah. and the brushback pitch, for example, has always <laughs> right. been there. And pitching inside and high and tight has always been part of the game. And, you know, nothing, nothing seems scarier than watching a guy get hit in the head by a 90-mile-an-hour oh, fastball. Yeah. And, and so I think things like that certainly need to be as stringent as possible. You know, the, the sport of hockey has its own individuals that are designated as fighters. And, you know, if we're really, really looking at the safety of the game, it, it, as I watch NBA basketball, there is so much contact going on. And, you know, will it ever change back? I think I think when the injuries begin to arise as a result of play, then people really start to take a harder look. Exactly. Wow, Doctor, that, I mean, that's awesome information that you've given us. Um, you know, not, being that you've worked with basketball players, you've worked with baseball players, you've worked with the boxers, do you see, I mean, what's the common mentality of those higher-level athletes that you, that you tend to run into? I mean, there's, there's got to be a commonality to somebody that plays at that level. And, and let's make no mistake about it. You know, somebody that's playing double-A baseball is an amazing baseball player. Yeah. No question about it. And as I watch minor league baseball games, what I what I will frequently say when I'm there with a, a friend or a family member is you just saw a major league baseball play right there. Yeah. And the the difference I think without question is is heart and then discipline. Because there are a a whole host a multitude of gifted athletes, of athletes that have athletic ability and the ones that stick around, the ones that end up having 10, 12-year careers, the ones that make it to the highest level, really I don't think get there on sheer athletic ability anymore. It it really is the discipline of taking care of their bodies, and, and that means both uh, from a physical sense and also in, in – 
in doing the right things, taking care of their bodies by nutritionally adhering to good guidelines, by avoiding the, the smoking and drinking and drugs. And, and those are the individuals that last a lifetime and, and really end up having just fantastic careers. So not just the athletic ability, but the self-discipline and the hard work. Hey, we're talking to Dr. Paul Sines, one of the team physicians for the San Antonio Spurs, longtime sports medicine physician. When I say long time, but Dr. Sines, uh, um, we're about the same age, so you've been, you've been looking at these, these uh, concussions, <laughs> these different injuries for a long time. And uh, one of the things that you've done is you've really spent a, a really a, a lifetime work of looking at concussions and doing some research on sports-related concussions. And, you know, I, I think this is the last time we talked to you, I believe the movie The con- Concussion came out. And how do you feel like that? Uh, did you feel like that movie? Did you enjoy watching the movie? Do you feel like it swung the pendulum towards talking about concussions more openly with players now, with athletes? Do you think it changed the, changed the dynamics of how we look at them? I enjoyed the movie. I, I thought I, I really do – uh, think that the, the the bringing this into the open for discussion and and you know the the truth of the movie I I can't comment on I don't know if Dr. Amalu really underwent that kind of scrutiny and threats and things like that obviously the NFL is a very powerful machine and there there weren't uh, many that wanted any aspersions cast on the game I'm sure but I have actually within the last year was on a panel. With um, with Dan Pastorini, if you remember yeah. the Houston Oilers yeah, quarterback, Houston Dan yeah. Pastorini, and yeah. another NFL uh, veteran, and there really were different standards then. So yeah. I, I think that players used to play with concussions. We all know that that's true. Uh, I think that now we are as diligent as we can be about following the return to play protocols and making sure that athletes are adequately. Uh, evaluated by individuals with expertise in concussion management. We had one concussion on our uh, on our roster the whole year. So the sport of basketball certainly wow. is not as vulnerable as contact sports and collision sports like football. But nonetheless, protocols are in place. I think we have a greater understanding, and, and our knowledge of concussions continues to evolve. Awesome. Well, Doctor, that kind of leads to my next question for you. And I've seen some information out there, for example, that will be put out. Um, uh, you know, high school girls that play soccer uh, tend to be more at risk for concussions as somebody that plays high school football, which, you know, that very well, there may be some data to support that. But wh- what about non-concussive injuries? You know, somebody that's they may not get a concussion, but they are dealing with that head trauma uh, you know, day after day after day. And I, I think that sometimes some of that information can be misleading. You know, when you're talking about a girl, she may have one concussion throughout the course of her career, but then you've got somebody that may not necessarily have a concussion, but they are dealing with that head trauma uh, on a daily basis, whether it's high school, college, or, or thereafter. Well, you're, you're exactly right. And what we've come to learn about concussions, one, is that there are gender differences. So, that the female athlete who is involved in sports that either involve collision, uh, such as as soccer, for example, or that involves repetitive head trauma. Uh, It could be a a Pop Warner football player. It could be, again, a young female soccer player who just performs headers on a daily basis. That we're looking at both the acute effects and the cumulative effects and then we're looking at subtle things like age differences, 
and gender differences. So we, we truly believe that the younger brain does not tolerate repetitive impact loads to the same degree that the mature brain will, and it just simply makes sense. While the rest of their body is growing, you know, so is the nervous system. And evolving and becoming more sophisticated. There have been some studies on Pop Warner football players and with baseline neurologic studies or these, these tests like impact studies that are done, these neurocognitive baselines that are performed, looking at an individual at the beginning of the season and the end of the season and seeing changes. Even though that athlete never came forward and said, I've got a headache or I've got dizziness, they never had concussive symptoms, yet cumulatively over the course of the season there may be some changes. So, again, this is going to take probably years and years and years more of research, and I, that's one of the great things about sports medicine is you really have to roll with the times and stay adaptable and keep learning. And we're talking to Dr. Paul Sines, a sports medicine physician with San Antonio Spurs and the Missions. And, Dr. Sines, one more really hard question. Last time you were on Docs and Jocks, uh, we had asked you, I think my co-host actually semi-accused you of turning off the air conditioning there in San Antonio during the NBA playoffs to win a game against uh, LeBron, I believe it was. Do you still stand by your story that you did not pull the plug? <laughs> hey, I just said that when I tripped over it, I didn't know that it was providing air conditioning to the whole building. That's right. Well, Dr. Sines, thank you so much for being on Docs and Jocks. It's always a wealth of knowledge when you're on. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks. Love being with you guys. Thank you. All right. Hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show after this short commercial break. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, coming from inside Docs and Jocks radio studio. Great to have you with us. If you're just catching our show for the very first time, want to find out more about your sports medicine radio show, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Also, you can catch our podcast anytime, anywhere on your iTunes podcast app. Just click on it and go to Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Hey, thanks for making us one of the fastest-growing podcasts out there. Really appreciate it. Do want to say thank you to all our wonderful sponsors, including Joe Walker State Farm, Medical Diagnostic Imaging, as well as the uh, West Texas Neurosurgeons, Doctors Trammell, Dr. Brown, and Dr. Edelman could not do our show without our wonderful sponsors. Thank you for them bringing you this segment. Joined each week by my co-host this week, Scotty Sanchez. Coach Sanchez is not only Abilene High School uh, head team head team uh, physician. I want to call you a doctor all day, Scotty. <laughs> I cannot get over it. He uh, was the head baseball coach at Abilene High as well as a associate scout for the Chicago White Sox, and it's uh, been, been fun having him on. We're, that was an, that was really enjoyable talking to uh, Dr. Paul Sines. He's one of those physicians that's just a, both a wealth of knowledge and an incredibly nice human being. It's a good combination because, uh, man, he's done a lot of great things in the sports medicine world. Oh, man. Uh, you know, the information that he was able to share with us, I mean, that's great information for you to know as yeah. if you've got a young player. You have player a young daughter a, playing soccer? I mean, sure. that was right up your alley. Absolutely. There. You know, yeah. and a son playing basketball. So to hear, you know, somebody like uh, Dr. Sines give us some great information like that, uh, you know, it, it makes you think for sure. Yeah. So I always enjoy having him on. Uh, he's also, I didn't get to get into it this time. We talked about it last time. Remember, if you missed any previous interview, all you have to do is go to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, and you can listen to Dr. Sign's previous interview we did with him and where he talks about platelet-rich plasma injections. He was one of the Really the forerunners uh, of a new technique, which really isn't new anymore since Dr. Sines and uh, other team physicians have really brought this into vogue, where we take your own body's uh, 
healing properties. We pull your blood off of you, and we spin it down, and we take the platelet-rich plasma layer, which is a layer that has all those good healing factors, growth factors, and we inject them back into areas where your body needs healing, but it can't get a good blood supply to it. Like, say, take uh, tennis elbow, which is a lateral epicondylitis of your elbow, mm-hmm. which is where the on the outside of your elbow, we grip real hard, and all of a sudden it hurts on the outside of your elbow. They call it tennis elbow because tennis players get it from doing backhands over and over again. And so you can take that, uh, your body's healing properties, inject it back into a tendon that's not having good healing uh, occur, and you can allow that to start healing. He was one of the original kind of forerunners of doing that type of research in basketball players. So I didn't ask him because can't, he can't tell me about personal players, but guys like Tony Parker, you know, Kawhi Leonard, uh, David Lee, who have injuries, I almost guarantee that Dr. Signs is the guy doing ultrasound-guided platelet-rich plasma injections, which, by the way, he trained Dr. Jennifer Johnson, who is here at Texas Sport and Spine, my medical partner, who that's what she does at Texas Sport and Spine. She specializes in those types of injections that she was trained under Dr. Paul Sines. So just like in the coaching world, there's a coaching tree. In the <laughs> medical world, there is a medical tree. I mean, you get your I'm – a, I'm a product of Dr. Jack Houston, who is one of the very first – sports medicine physicians, uh, really, that was kind of a forerunner. He coined the name sports medicine, for God's sake. So he was really a true, you know, he's probably the godfather of sports medicine. He trained guys like Jimmy Andrews, James Andrews, you probably heard him. Sure. And then Dr. Johnson was trained by guys like Dr. Paul Sines. So it's really neat to kind of over the years see how that tree kind of branches out from underneath. Well, there's no question. And, you know, I was blessed to uh, get to – uh, meet and spend time with uh, Coach Blackie Blackburn, who's yeah, obviously right. you know legendary around here. Coach you know that you got the field, uh, you know named after him. Well, I got I was hired by uh, one of his proteges, uh, Jim Reese, who was an outstanding baseball coach. And then uh, you know I learned from those two guys, and you know I felt like uh, my tenure there was just an extension of what Blackie was doing in, yeah. in the fifties. And of course, Blackie was uh, you know extension of what Chuck Mosier was doing um, in the you know in the twenties. So uh, you know. Who's going to be your next assistant coach when you become the head coach somewhere in the future? Who's going to be your assistant coach? Well, you know, I've thought about this, and I've done some research, and the best guy out there is uh, Dan Mutton. Yes. You know, Dr. Dan Mutton. I wasn't, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't no fishing for that. I wasn't fishing for that. I just, <laughs> I just thought maybe I'd throw it out there, and sure enough, he took it, man. That you, know, awesome. you know, you've called me doctor here several times <laughs> yes. on the show, so, you know, it might Put be time for us level? to do a, yeah. uh, you know, to do a career change. You know, I'll, do, yeah. I'll start to working here in the office, oh, and you get out to that days. baseball field. There are some days, Scotty. There are some days. Yeah. No, that's just wonderful stuff you've done. I mean, a lot, almost 200 career victories as a baseball coach. Hey, give our listening audience uh, a couple things. If they, uh, as a scout, and you're an associate scout for the Chicago White Sox, you know, obviously everybody wants a great, talented baseball player, but give us some of the, I always ask you this question, so you and I have been down this road many times, but for our listening audience who maybe doesn't know what a scout looks for, give us the intangibles you look for. When you go scout a player, you know he's good already or he would be on your list. Somebody's called you and put them on the watch list. They're now, you know, someone says, hey, go lay eyes on this kid who's a great baseball player. So you're going to go look at his skill level, but what are some of the intangibles you look for in a kid when you go watch him? Sure, there, you know, there's multiple levels of scouting. I'm an associate scout. Uh, I've got an immediate boss who's our area guy who covers most of North Texas and some of Oklahoma, uh, and then we've got what's called a national cross checker who's going to check. You know, if I get somebody, I'm pretty much a numbers guy. So when uh, I get some information, either by somebody who sends it to me or somebody that the organization wants me to go see, I'm going to go verify whether he's legitimately throwing the miles per hour, you know, the velo- with the velocity that we're trying to get or getting the spin rate that we're looking for. He's got uh, this type of speed, or the ball comes off of his bat at a certain miles per hour that we're certainly looking for. But some of the intangibles, you know, one of the things that I have to do as an associate is I do have to get in contact with his high school coach. You know, I'm going to have a contact, a conversation with his summer coach. You know, what's this guy like off the field? Uh, nowadays, I think social media plays a big role in uh, 
how far Ooh, we're going to so pursue. Pay attention to uh, social media. So, absolutely. You know, <laughs> we are going to get on those Facebook pages or Instagrams and, and those various other resources and see, you know, what type of personality are we dealing with here? You know, because obviously if it's somebody that uh, you're going to be offering a good deal of money to or any kind of investment to in your organization, you want this guy to represent you in a, in a, uh, in a way that uh, presents your team in the best light. So someone who strikes out, bangs their bat on the ground, and throws their bat in the dugout and uh, throws his glove and yells at his teammate, not so much so a guy you're going to look at. Well, I think I told you the story. We had made a trip to uh, El Paso, Texas, to look at a catcher, and I was going with a guy who was kind of an old-school scout and kind of showing me the ropes, and uh, there was a gentleman, well, the young kid out there that we were scouting, um, was uh, his shirt was untucked, um, his his, uh, knee pads or his – Shin pads were, uh, his shin guards were not uh, buckled on the back oh. uh, the way that they should be, and uh, we left. Wow. You know, and that, so that's quite a drive to make to El Paso, Texas, <laughs> to look at somebody for two or three minutes and, uh, and then to go ahead and make a decision within two or three minutes, and, you know, wow. this guy's not right for our organization. Huh. So uh, there are some things, and of course you're going to run through some different personalities with some different scouts, but uh, uh, the intangibles, you know, those are some things that we look at. Social media, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, and we've heard, uh, we've had some uh, pro players come through here, you know, come through D1 and tell us that, uh, you know, they had scouts that were looking to see who their girlfriend was in the stands. And if she was, you know, pretty attractive, then they felt like he had a great deal of self-confidence. So, you know, people look for different things. That's but funny, uh, I think social media, has, social media has changed that component and made it a little easier for us to find out, you know, what this kid's uh, character is all about. Yeah. So, Jay, that's coming from a scout. So if you're driving around thinking, hey, my kid might have what it takes to go to the next level, think about that when you're driving around and think about maybe a social media page, things you wouldn't think about. And make sure his girlfriend is uh, pretty, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's the bottom line. I never thought of that one, man. That's self-confidence. Well, Hey, uh, speaking of uh, things not to do to uh, get, uh, just try and stay on the field, Dallas Cowboy defensive lineman now David Irving, he is uh, appealing his four-game suspension, which just happened, for performance-enhancing drugs. We don't know exactly which one it is yet. It's under investigation, so typically I like to bring it when I know which drug it is. I'll talk about what it does and how it works. Most of them fall into somewhat of a uh, steroid or an anabolic uh, product where it's trying to make you bigger uh, through taking a, a form of a drug that's on the ban list in the NFL. So he was taking this drug, and uh, he, he was taking it in hopes of possibly becoming an endorser of the over-the-counter product. If you're in the NFL and someone says, hey, man, I know we've been friends. I knew you in high school, and I got this new thing, and it's probably going to help. You know, it's not on the ban list, you know, supposedly. And he says, hey, try it out. Don't try that out, man. <laughs> do not do it. It is. There's such a long list. You have to be very, very, very careful. You know, a lot of uh, the over-the-counter uh, things you, you can buy don't have a stringent screening process. So this, is, this has been a while back. It's, it's not as high anymore. But they found uh, early on in when they first started the supplement business that over 60% of them had an anabolic steroid derivative in it that did not have it listed in the ingredients. Do you know why they did that, Scotty Sanchez? No, because <laughs> anabolic steroids work. They make you bigger. They make you stronger. They make the this the, this healing process, the rehab or the or the the restoration process go quicker. So I can work out hard on Monday in 24 hours, work out that same group, and I can get gains from it. Whereas it take me 48 to 72 hours if I didn't have that working. So they know the anabolic steroids work. So they put it in the bottle because the people say, "Oh, it worked. It made me bigger." Well, yeah, and it has steroids in it. So you got you got to remember that because you hear this a lot. Remember Rafael Palmero, who hit, what, 500, sure. 500 home runs in his career? That's what his, he said. I took a uh, over-the-counter supplement, and I didn't know what I thought that was in it was in it. It didn't have it listed, 
And you know, everybody said, oh, yeah, right, Raphael Palmero. Yeah, sure you didn't. And, and it's very, very possible that's actually no, sure, a true story. You know. And then you're, you just heard Dr. Sines talking about the importance of Mother Nature and recovery and having that time to be able to do that. So if you can decrease that time and yeah. get back out there, right. you know, it does provide quite an advantage. And people talk about Barry Bonds all the time, but what they don't talk about was, you know, what he did in the off season, And, you know, the workouts that he put himself through were – yeah, I mean they were they were ridiculous. I mean, uh, and, and you can work out harder and longer and get gains faster. That's what that's what anabolic steroids do. So, but yeah, no, no one's no one debat- debated whether or not uh, Barry Bonds was a hard workout fiend. Man, he was a, a beast. Uh, I just I just dispute the fact that he didn't know what was in the white cream as his <laughs> as his grand jury testimony said. I didn't know what was in the cream the trainer gave me. I didn't know what was in it. I think he par- probably did. I thought he was probably a little bit uh, suspicious of what was in it anyway. Well, the problem with the Cowboys right now, so you got David Irving who's out. So this is now the fourth consecutive year the Cowboys will start a season, and he's he's appealing his uh, suspension. So maybe we'll get it back. But this will be the fourth straight season we've started with a defense, a key defensive player, suspended to start the Cowboys season. <sighs> oh yeah. man! So now uh, remember the ones that started it was Orlando Skandrick taking mollies. Which I don't. I looked up at the time what was in a molly. I've forgotten, and I think that's information I wanted to flush. But yeah, <laughs> uh, there, he was taking mollies, and and so that started the whole thing. But man, it's kind of a sad testament where the Cowboys are right now. And remember, Randall Gregory's out for the entire season. He uh, can't stay off the Mary Jane, and so you know he gets suspended for an entire season. So they, when you get suspended, you still get drug tested. You get drug tested more uh, randomly and more often. Reports now are guess what, Scotty Sanchez. He's positive again, positive again for marijuana. So man, we may not we may have seen the last of Randall Gregory as agent dropped him. Jerry Jones says he's standing by him. So he was a good ball player. Just can't keep him on the field. He's well, uh, know, in love with the Mary Jane. That's the reason we we check social media and we do things like that to get. Like I said, you know, if you're going to make that type of investment in a in a young man, you're you know you want to know that you're going to get a uh, a reward for your for your investment. Yeah, he had he had issues going in, so they knew going in that he had. Uh, even before the uh, Cowboys got him, and uh, he has uh, lived up to the billing of having problems with staying away from the uh, uh, marijuana. So we'll see. Speaking of uh, the Texas Rangers, man, we're big Texas Rangers. Let's talk a little baseball talk. I mean, we, hey. This is the longest you and I have ever sat uh, having a conversation is. together where we have not talked about baseball yet. You know, there's no question about that. I mean, <laughs> we're, we may be well over an hour in, and you know, I think uh, we we deserve something for that. Yes, I mean, here we go. So Texas Rangers, Adrian Beltre. He's still out, man. Good Lord. This has been over two and a half months of a calf strain that has kept him out. Josh Donaldson, also, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, star player. He's a star outfielder, all-star outfielder, MVP. He's out with a calf strain. He started at the beginning of the season as well. So both of them over two months now. Ryan Braun now goes on a second DL stint for a calf strain. So I officially have deemed this the year of the calf strain. I mean, we have three all-star former MVP players. Uh you know, Josh Donaldson are two, I guess, MVPs. Adrian Beltre had one yet, one yet, but Ryan Braun and Josh Donaldson did. Though, Ryan Braun is disputed because, remember, he had sure. the whole uh, PED issue with right, uh, the, whether or not the P was yeah, left you know, on the Tupperware the dish form- too long <laughs> sure. on the dinner table. <laughs> and the former, you know, the former, <laughs> MF, uh, the, uh, former MVP. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Beltre, that's a huge hit for the Rangers. You know, what he brings, the, the energy that he oh, brings. Man. You know, just to, and just have so much fun. I mean, uh, I've, I've never seen – I've never seen anybody at that level have as much fun as him and Elvis Beltre together. Are great, oh, they're man. great. That's the a great combo. You know, they're they're Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon. I mean, they're, I, they're, I would go see the Rangers great. play just to see Adrian Beltre throw the ball back to the pitcher. 
<laughs> Good God, he throws about 95 back at him. You can tell they're gearing up for it, too, and he always hits him in the palm. And, oh, oh, my gosh. You know, so that energy that they lost. And, you know, they've done a good job. I think one time they were about 10 games away from 500, and they've scrambled back to where they were yeah. over 500 and kind of back at back to 500 right now. But, uh you know, it's going to be interesting to see over the course of the next couple of weeks if we're going to be major players or if we're going to start trying to to uh, make some changes in the organization. Somebody was like, uh, Bannister's on the hot seat. I'm like, dude, the dude's only been tw- two years with the Texas Rangers. He's won two divisional titles. He's at 500 and isn't even halfway through the season yet. They're like, Banny's on the hot seat. I'm like, what? Are you? <laughs> that's someone who needs to get checked for Mary, Mary, uh, marijuana there, Mary Jane, because that's crazy, man. He's done a great job with the Texas Rangers. I don't, I don't know why you'd be talking about him uh, getting fired this, this short into his career when he's had two successful careers. Same thing with uh, Mike Matheny with the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals start off to like a – Bad start. They get off to like a one and or two and eight start or something like that. Oh, Matheny's out of here. I'm like, Matheny's been like World Series, uh, NC, in, in, you know, the division championship. He's been winning it every year. I'm like, what is going on with people nowadays? Oh, right? I think, yeah, it's too much knee jerk right now. You coaches, you coaches, man, you don't have any security. <laughs> Need some security out there. Hey, we'll be right back. When we come back, we're going to be talking to All American discus thrower Austin Gamble, who is also former Duke linebacker. We're right back with more of that on Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Many times when we think of great mental strength, we think of the athletes on the field to play and how important it is for them. However, there's another place that mental strength and toughness are extremely important, the stands. Being a spectator, and especially the parent of an athlete, can sometimes be an extremely emotional experience. We have all seen and heard out-of-control parents who seem to do more harm than good for their athletes. These parents can appear harsh and condemning, and we often feel bad for their child. I believe that the majority of the time these parents do not realize how they come across and how detrimental their words and actions are to their kids. Just as we try to teach athletes to control their emotions during their play, it is just as important for parents to learn this lesson as well. Here at The Edge Mental Strength Training, we work not only with athletes, but parents who need to learn the skills necessary to make their child's athletic experiences optimal. If you would like to learn more, you can contact The Edge Mental Strength Training by clicking on our link at docsandjocks.com. This has been your Mental Strength Minute. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine. Great to have you with us today. What we do here on our show is we talk about sports entertainment with a sports medicine niche. So we love having uh, you also be part of our show. And the way you can do that, if you maybe you want one of your questions to get on air, you can go to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. And uh, there you can contact us through email. You can also uh, talk to us through social media there on docsandjocks.com. Love to have you be part of our show any way you can. Remember, you can listen to our podcast at your convenience anytime, anywhere by going to your iTunes podcast app and just clicking on it, and up pops uh, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Man, we really appreciate you all making us one of the fastest-growing podcasts out there. Do want to say thank you to our sponsor of this segment, Abilene Sports Medicine Orthopedics, as well as Abilene Tech. Couldn't do our show without the uh, wonderful sponsors, including uh, Dr. Funk, Dr. Uh, Deprang, and Dr. Maroney. Hey, uh, joined this week by Coach Scotty Sanchez. And Coach Sanchez, we are very honored to have in studio with us here, Austin Gamble. Austin is a former uh, University of Duke or Duke University uh, linebacker, and he is also a uh, All-American at discus throwing and is currently the Hardin-Simmons University assistant track coach doing his thing out there on the 40 acres of Hardin-Simmons University. Austin, thanks for being on Docs and Jocks. Thank you for having me. Hey, one of the things we do here on the show is uh, we love talking about multi-sport athletes. 
And a guy that uh, was at your caliber playing uh, linebacker at Division One University, Duke University, and then also being a track and field athlete, do you feel like playing football and doing track and field at the same time, do you feel like doing those two sports together made you a better overall athlete than had you just focused on one sport? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I would say so. And definitely I think it would – it helped doing it in high school also. Yeah. Yeah, kind of you, finding the balance. Because nowadays already. it seems like a lot of these young athletes, and Coach Sanchez deals with this at the uh, baseball level, a lot of athletes want to specialize very young. So if they're going to be a baseball player, they're a baseball player from age you know, 10 on, and they mm-hmm. don't play football, they don't play basketball, they don't do track and field. Whereas we, most coaches we've talked to on the show here, we've talked to some great ones, they really like it when an athlete is a multi-sport athlete because you'll learn things from track and field, throwing a, you know, throwing a discus is going to teach you balance, going to ta- teach you body control that you're going to need at a linebacker position like you did at Duke. Definitely. So is that how it helps you teach you those different things? Definitely. Um, balance, core strength, def- definitely yeah. for throwing. And then that core strength kind of integrates into tackling, yeah. keeping a strong core, not folding when you tackle and creating injury. You know, we talk about core all the time, but it is really, we talk about, remember, if you missed the earlier segment we did here on Docs and Jocks, your core is basically, you're a box with four little pendulums hanging off it. It is the platform that all athletes work off of. So you really know a lot about core, a lot about strength. And your dad was a uh, NFL strength and conditioning coach. And tell yes. us what it was like growing up in a house where your dad's a strength and conditioning coach to some of the most elite athletes in the world. I believe he was with the Dolphins as of lately. Yes. Um, so the one funny thing, punishment was push-ups, <laughs> running up the stairs. <laughs> yeah. That's push-ups. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, being around so many great athletes. Yeah. It uh, – it wasn't like I wasn't starstruck, yeah. and I never got any autographs, so I kind of regret that. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, but being around athletes all the time, I mean, that probably mm-hmm. helps you exactly. You're not starstruck by them. You say, oh, this is just another one of Dad's uh, work partners here. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Coach Sanchez, you have a yeah. question for Austin Gamble? Well, you know, it's funny that you say that, uh, you know, when you're not starstruck. I, I, you know, I went to school at New Mexico State University, which is, uh, you know, it's a Division One school, and mm-hmm. they uh, – you know, at that time when I was at New Mexico State University, there was a there was a cover on Sports Illustrated that had from first and it had a picture of the Miami Hurricanes. Then it said to worst, and it said uh, New Mexico State University oh, number one thirteen. But uh, you know, the fact of the matter was, you know, when you walked around campus and you saw those guys, their athleticism, even for a you know a, a lower level mid tier Division one team, was unbe- unbelievable. I mean, so, you know, for somebody, I mean, we're obviously not the fittest people in the booth anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Dr. Dan. Sorry about Uh, that. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know, when you're playing for a university like Duke with all tradition that the basketball has and and then you're, uh, you know, you have the success that your team brought uh, for football, um, you know, what's the difference between, you know, a Duke and uh, and an Alabama? You know, the – for example, you know, sometimes, obviously, they, you know, they have a recruiting edge. Oh, yeah. But uh, when you go play somebody like that, I mean, what's your mindset? What do you, I mean, what do you? Um, something that Coach Cut, Coach Cutcliffe, always instilled in us was finish and, well, conditioning and discipline were the two things. And if we had those two, anything was possible on sure. the field. So we played Alabama, I think, my sophomore year. Trent Richardson was there. Wow. Mark Ingram was there after winning his Heisman. So that's who you were going up against all day as a linebacker, huh? Yep. <laughs> um, Julio was still there. A lot of guys and a lot of their third, fourth team running backs are now starters. NFL, sure. Yeah. So once you get the pads on and hit somebody, it's all 
the mental edge. Sure. And so what, what we found and what I saw in that game, our mistakes, they capitalized on. Yeah. And that was the big difference. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that they have multi-million dollar facility, they can recruit five-star recruits. Sure. And it was that discipline and that kind of capitalizing on mistakes. Yeah. Hey, you but know, obviously, you know, Alabama has let me, great let me, athletes. Let me just say, sure. I've got to answer this question for you. You asked what the mindset is when Duke plays Alabama, when they're going into playing, what the mindset is? The Duke players say we're smarter than them. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that's perfect. But, you know, just in seeing the athlete that I saw just at New Mexico State University, I mean, to have anybody, anybody that plays at that level is an amazing yeah. Amazing athlete. So, you know, to Definitely. have him sitting in here in the in the box with us, I mean, it's it's quite a treat. And, uh, you know, what you guys did at that university that's, you know, known for, for Cameron Indoor. I mean, you oh, yeah. I mean, you put the football field in. And what's it like, you know, when yeah. you guys, you know, when you guys beat North Carolina to get that bold bid, I mean, what was the atmosphere like on campus? Um, I think we had a bench burning, and that's usually <laughs> reserved for basketball. Yeah. Uh, my freshman year, uh, spring 2010, they won. There was a bench burning. Uh, I think we had one, or maybe they they wanted to, but it wasn't sanctioned because <laughs> <laughs> they usually know it's going to happen, so they have fire personnel. Yeah. Um, but they everybody rushed the field. We were ringing the bell. That's our victory bell. Is our little rivalry trophy. Uh-huh. Uh, ringing that bell, just spray painted it blue. Our blue, the correct blue, is what some people <laughs> say. Um, it was amazing, and to beat a big rival and have that become our bowl-eligible win, it was amazing. You know, Duke obviously is known for his basketball, and it has yeah. Coach Chef, Coach K, and all the great legendary basketball teams they've had over the years. Did you get to interact with Coach K as a football player? Did he come to the football games? Yeah, I mean, it's a relatively small campus when you it go is. visit. I got, I got the privilege of my son when he played baseball there. got to see the beautiful campus, but did you get to know Coach K and the, some of the basketball players? Did they come to support the football players? Uh, definitely the players. Um, Coach K, he was part of our uh, radiothon. Uh-huh. Other than that, I saw him one time on campus. Really? And it, it was – I turned around, elevator doors were closing. I was like, that's Coach K. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, he has his own parking space and everything. So – because he's a legend. And yeah. Sure. If everybody knew this is where he's going to be. It's the way Coach Sanchez here in Abilene. He totally okay. understands. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we give him a parking spot out front somewhere in the parking lot out there, don't we, <laughs> don't we Coach Sanchez? Oh, it's moved to the front. Okay, well, all right, I don't have to park out back. Well, your athletic career is not, isn't finished. You know, now the bat, no. now the football's over, your collegiate football career, you're now trying – you were an All-American uh, discus thrower yes. and had an injury, I believe, the last time the Olympics were around, and now you're still gearing up, hopefully going to make the uh, Olympic trials and then make the Olympics uh, in the next few years. Tell us about – your continued athleticism and uh, discus throwing for the and training for the Olympics. Um, so I'm shooting for 2020, and that'll be in Tokyo. Um, I'm just training hard, lifting, throwing, the mental edge. That's a big thing of yeah. just reading books, talking to people, building that mental edge. Because, like I, I say, I can do it in practice, but it only counts on paper. When it's so. beautiful here at D1 Abilene, we have a mental strength coach, and she's lovely. She's my wife, Trey, the lovely Miss <laughs> Tracy Munton. But uh, the edge of mental strength, that's what they focus on. They try and get athletes who are really trying to be elite athletes using every part of their person to become mm-hmm. the best athlete they can be. And a huge part of your person is how your mind controls uh, your exactly. physical body. So absolutely. But it's the edge of mental strength. We'll have to get you and her uh, working together to get you that Definitely. next level, her and Christina Seal. So uh, it's part of what we offer here. So it has to be inspirational for your Hardin-Simmons University track and field athletes who you were training 
at uh, now working as assistant coach while you're getting your master's and your doctorate. To see you training right next to him has to be kind of inspirational, saying this guy's training for the Olympics and he's also training me. Yeah, and sometimes they would start to compare themselves like, oh, look how far you can do this. (laughs) And I'll say, no, you are where you are. I am. So both of us are trying to improve. Right. So I haven't made it by any means. Don't look at me and say that's what I want to be because I'm still trying to become more. Sure. Um, but it's fun. It's really fun to kind of work out with them. But mostly I just try and t- coach and teach and practice on my own because it's kind of hard to do both. Well, the head football coach at uh, the Hard Simmons University, uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm, that's where I graduated from, so we call it the Hard Simmons University. <laughs> the the Hard Simmons University. Coach Jesse Burleson, uh, the head football coach there, who's been incredibly successful at football, he's also a huge track and field guy, and back in high school was a discus and shot putter, so he, he's probably going to be right there in your corner wanting you to uh, do your very best. Yeah, I did not know that. I've yeah. met him a couple times. He actually just graduated from the same program uh-huh. yeah. I'm in. Um so I did not know that. There about you go. There great. you go. And then you got a great strength and conditioning program there with Cade Cole and uh, Hagen yes. Little, or both yes. your strength and conditioning uh, partners. So they're working you, working with you to try and get you stronger. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So now we just got to get you plugged in with D1 Abilene and where you can uh, come and take to the next level with Coach Hess, who you met by the way, who's we call him the legend. The legend. But that's <laughs> what he focuses on is uh, discus and shot putting. So this is kind of a this is the uh, the next legend in the making oh, right here, Austin that's Game. Great. <laughs> You know, uh, Austin, how much, how hard is? I mean, how much harder is it for you know, you coming from a team sport, mm-hmm. you know, and playing for like Duke University? I mean, that, that's awesome. How much harder is it for you to get motivated to do something that's more individual, like throwing the discus? Yeah. I mean, when you've got guys pushing you, oh, with it's, your team. Yeah, to kind of relate it, doing conditioning work, you can run one tens and get to eight and say, uh, I'm done. Uh, there was one summer. We were supposed to run, I think, 10, but we ended up running 22 just because everybody is feeling good, and they're like, come on, coach, let's go some more. Um, so with discus, and usually it's a smart thing, any type of throwing, you're having a bad day, you just cut it off because you don't want to ingrain bad habits. Sure. But so the motivation on your own, it's, it really has to come within. Man, I wish you'd tell my son that right now. Where he's a young baseball player, and I always say that's what it has. So one thing I can't give you, I can give you opportunity, I can't give you the want to or the motivation that comes within. That's exactly that's. A, yes. I'm, I'm gonna remember that one. Can I use that one for you? Oh, from definitely. My son, I'm gonna, definitely. I'm say this is not come, this is not from your dad. This is from Austin Gamble, Duke Duke University linebacker and uh, Olympic discus thrower. Also, you not only grew up around uh, a, a dad that was a strength and conditioning coach, you also grew up around a dad who was. Uh, I forget what year Coach Hess told me, but he was the strongest man in the world uh, uh, one year. 82, 83. You know how every kid goes to school and brags that their dad is the strongest man in the world? <laughs> oh, yeah. My dad can beat his, up your dad. His really could. No, his, his could. Yes, his could. Yeah, he could beat up our dads. He'd probably beat up both well, our dads. Austin could beat up both of us right yes, now. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so but your dad was the strongest man in the world. Mm-hmm. And so tell us what that was like growing up with a dad that truly was the strongest man in the world and could beat up the other kid's dad. Uh, it was amazing. <laughs> he He was a role model for – Many different reasons, because he threw discus himself, uh, football, the the lifting that speaks for itself. Um, but a role model in all ways. Oh, that's awesome! Because uh, I think there was one day we were cleaning the garage, found a box of trophies, and I was like, "What's this?" He said, "Oh, that's from uh, Germany. I won something for a strong strongman competition, and this one was from that." But so. 
there's no shrine to himself. He he is very humble. Dude. So I I actually uh started throwing in my sophomore year of high school. Had no idea what it was. Came to him, I said, Oh, I think I want to start throwing. He said, Oh, I used to throw. Look at all this stuff. <laughs> and so he, he actually became my wow, coach. Wow, really? That's, and I, wow. I never would have known. He Man. he just pushes us to be athletic and be in shape, but not to kind of produce. That's awesome. Wow, that's awesome it's that he does it. I still got my participation ribbon you know, displayed in a prominent place in my house. You I'm know, to a, hear that I'm this a, guy was. I want an eighth grade free throw shooting contest. I think it's up on my fireplace, that trophy. <laughs> So man, awesome! This is awesome. So, so when so tell us how the uh, process goes for the discus throwing, the Olympic trials, and what process you have to go to qualify for the Olympics. Walk us through that. Um, so discus in any event, um, we could say the hundred meter. A lot of people are more familiar with that. There'll be a U.S. standard that you have to hit to go to the U.S. trials. So that might be ten seconds flat. Yeah. Uh, you get to the U.S. trials, then in order to go to the actual Olympics, you have to have the A standard, and that A standard will probably be 9 seconds 70. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that will actually qualify you. So you could win the U.S. nationals and be Olympic trial champion, but if you do not have the A standard, you won't go. You really? Go. Interesting. Wow. So, I, I yeah, that, yeah. That, that's happened – I can remember 2012, a female discus thrower, I think she was third, and that, like, the top three usually go. She didn't have the standard. The eighth-place person actually had the standard from earlier in the year. Oh, wow. The eighth-place person actually went from wow. the, that Olympic trials. Oh, that wow. That's so cool. Wait, we've been talking to Austin Gamble here on Docs and Jocks. And, Austin, man, we want to say thank you, man. Not only, uh, man, coming to give us your knowledge about being a Duke University linebacker, but then also uh, now uh, all, and also being an All-American discus thrower, now trying training for the uh, U.S. Olympics. We want to wish you and uh, all the Hardin Simmons University track and field athletes the very best. We're big Hardin Simmons University fans here. And, uh, man, you got to help us get your dad on the show, too, man. I've never t- – other than Coach Hess, who was like a Texas arm wrestling champion. Arm wrestling champion. <laughs> yeah. I oh, and Ken Lane. Ken Ken Lane was like the world's strongest. Oh, man, your dad's got to meet Ken Lane. He's one of the world's strongest men. He works out here at D1 as well. So okay, we got awesome. to get him on air and uh, talk a little world's strongest man competition. Definitely. Uh, that would be, be fun. So we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks after this short commercial break. Sing! Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan. Hey, thanks for being with us the whole show today. This is the last segment here on Docs and Jocks, and we will be uh, man, uh, saying goodbye, but uh, hopefully we'll see you next week, and uh, you'll be staying. Uh, hopefully you'll be coming and trying out D1 Abilene and seeing if it might be the sports training place for you in the meantime. Hey, remember, you get a free trial. All you have to do is go to D1Abilene.com, check it out, and see if it might be the place for you to get started. I always say the number one reason people uh, don't get started in an exercise program is because they're intimidated. So the biggest step you'll ever make is making the first step and uh, getting out and getting off the couch and coming and trying it out. So just go to D1Abilene.com or just come up here to D1Abilene located right next to Buffalo Wild Wings and see if it might be the place for you. I do want to say thank you to all our wonderful sponsors of this entire show, including Texas Sport and Spine as well as Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Could not do our show without our wonderful sponsors. If you want to find out how to be a sponsor, go to DocsAndJocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Remember, you can also listen to us on your iTunes app, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. I want to say thanks to Coach Scotty Sanchez, 20-year head baseball coach at Abilene High School, as well as uh, associate scout for the Chicago White Sox and former punt, pass, and kick champion who uh, (laughs) unfortunately – 
threw away. We found out in the off uh, in our commercial break there that he threw away his trophies from his punt passing kick days where he was the champion. What are you thinking? I've got all the memories right here, uh, right here in my head, Doctor Dan. So uh, you you know, you I've got ahead. all the memories uh, that I needed. The, the, the trophy wasn't the reason I did it. Yeah, it was. It was all the memories. Huh? <laughs> oh, it's, it's just the memory and being able to. You know what? Most guys went to pump pass and kick uh, that day. My dad had us working out to get ready for pump pass and kick starting in June for oh, the for the wow, competition in September. Man, he was so, serious about so, it. Yeah, dad was a pump pass. He and was kick one of those guy. dads. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man, absolutely. So I don't feel so bad now doing <laughs> what I do to Caleb to try and get him to be the best athlete possible. So. <laughs> Hey, yeah, we were talking a little bit. Uh, by the way, that was a great interview we just did with Austin Gamble. What a young, uh, good young man that guy was, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the uh, the uh, interview um, does justice to the kind of young man that he is. Oh, you very know, humble. Very humble, and obviously working. We weren't towards joking. Some... He could kick both of our butts at the same time. I'm mean, not joking. Oh, I mean, we don't even. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no <laughs> question about it. But you know, working towards the, you know, to getting those uh, other degrees that he's working on, and uh, again, a quiet, humble. With a lot of accomplishment, I may Great remember young this. Man. I may remember this wrong. But the way I remember it was you challenged to a grappling match out of the middle of the uh, field out here in front of us. I believe that the uh, we do, you know, and then uh, finish. We're uh, we're looking at uh, pay per view. Uh, we're going to do you know, Austin versus Coach Sanchez. Yeah. Uh, I'd pay to see that. <laughs> and, you know, there's times my wife would pay to see that as well. I'm not even joking. I'm going to pay to see that. <laughs> hey, a couple big injuries in the news. Uh, First of all, we mentioned Adrian Beltre right before the commercial break. Both he and Josh Donaldson are expected to be coming back this week. Beltre, uh, the, the Texas Rangers third baseman, is headed to the Arizona League to play a few games. He's expected to be back on Monday. So he is hopefully going to be back and playing in the uh, Texas Ranger uniform, which would be a great, great sight for ex-Texas Ranger baseball fans for sure. I'm sure the Blue Jays are ready to get Josh Donaldson, their former MVP, back, who can hit a baseball like nobody's business, as well as uh, Troy Tudelwitzki, the other uh, star shortstop for the uh, Blue Jays has also been out with a hamstring injury, and both of them are supposed to be expected to be back this coming week. So, man, if you're a fantasy baseball player out there or something, you've got your guys, uh, Josh Donaldson and Troy Tulowitzki on the bench, you might want to think about putting them back in the starting lineup as well as Adrian Beltre. Man, I don't know if you saw it or not, Coach Sanchez, but Jock Peterson, uh, the star outfielder, the center fielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers, he's on the seven-day concussion protocol. We were talking about concussions earlier with uh, Dr. Signs, the uh, San Antonio team physician. If you want to catch that interview, you can go to docsandjocks.com and listen to that interview uh, if you missed it. But Jock Peterson is now on the seven-day concussion protocol after running into his teammate, teammate Yasiel Puig. It's one of those plays, and how do you coach this? It's one of those ones, it's a gapper, it's hit on a line, your right field and your center field are sure. going full speed at each other. How do you avoid that collision? Is it even possible? I mean, how do you even call it when you're running that fast at each other? How do you even know? You don't. Um, those things are unavoidable. I think I, I lost three athletes on one play uh, in a scrimmage one time on a ball that was hit about 12 feet high in my shortstop, second baseman, and center fielder who was playing extremely up because it was a cold day. Uh, all ran into each other, and uh, we had a broken tibula, a broken oh, wow. facial fracture, and an MCL tear all on the same oh, play. Wow. Three players, and, and it was—it was one of those things. Why didn't somebody call it? Well, it's one of those. just there's they're out, they're just reacting to the yeah. baseball at that point, yeah. and uh, you know it's easier to call it when it's up in the air, but when it's on a line drive like that, uh, you know, typically. They're both just trying to make a play. Yeah, and uh, Yasiel Puig's elbow hits Jock Peterson in the head. They're both right back at the uh, outfield fence. And then uh, Jock Peterson goes and he hits his head into the wall. And he said, uh, Yasiel Puig was soft. The wall was not. I like, that. <laughs> I, like the, I like the comment. Dizzy Dean one time uh, had got hit with a baseball in the head. And they had to, he got knocked out. And his teammates carried him off the field back in the day. We just did that. You know, he carried him off and flopping. He's all out of it. And uh, he goes and he gets x-rays on his head and says that x-rays show 
nothing in Dizzy's nothing uh, in Dizzy's head. And this is how it came out the next day. So, Dizzy little, like, hey, a little big country trivia. You know, Dizzy's brother Daffy, Daffy used Dean. to play in the yeah. old uh, Texas New Mexico baseball league. Did he really? He did. He was a barnstormer around here. But how long have we known each other? Daffy been talking Dean. baseball, and now you that's know I'm a Cardinals brought, fan. I've never brought that never up. Brought that up. I, you know, I believe he played with the Amarillo Gold Sox. If that's yeah. uh, if that's correct. Paul Dean was his brother, who was a pitcher with him, right? And then there was Paul, Dizzy, and Daffy. Right. Isn't that right? There's three of them. There's three of them. Wow. Yeah. Because one year. Uh, Dizzy Dean said, uh, Paul and I, well, how did he say it? We'll win 60 games between the two of us. And Dizzy Dean won over 30, and Paul won over 20, and they almost did it. Isn't that's that crazy? A, uh, that's pretty <laughs> good <laughs> genetics right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever want to read a character about a character that was a baseball player, man, Dizzy Dean was the guy, man. He was real funny, and he had a lot of country sayings, and just a interesting cat, man. He played back with the Gas House Gang, but you never told me that his brother Daffy played in the Texas-New Mexico League. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Hey, Texas high school playoff baseball right now, It the game changed on an injury safety rule that's been implemented. So yesterday, Wiley High School, who is the number one 4A ranked team in the state, is playing Leveland, and they are playing a close game. Leveland is up one to nothing uh, until the bottom of the sixth inning when uh, Cameron Hanna and Mason Schubert, I'd love to give these guys their due, both of them, by the way, hitting instructor is named uh, Coach uh, Scotty Sanchez, <laughs> just for those who are listening, but to give them a shout-out. But they hit a solo home runs to go up two to one. The next inning, Leveland gets their first guy on base, mm-hmm. so it's two. It's now two to one. Wiley just had two walk, two solo home runs, to make big comeback. So the momentum you kind of feel it shifting towards Leveland now, right? Sure. Because got the first guy on, going to score, tie it up, and so he, uh, the the next batter hits a ground ball to the shortstop. Shortstop, I'm, I'm sorry, the uh, second baseman. Second baseman throws it to second. He's not going to get the guy at first, but the guy does not slide a second. Right. He slides into the player and takes him out hard. It's sure. a shortstop, and it's immediate. That guy's out a second no matter what, and the guy at first base is also out. Now it's a double play right. where it would not have been a double play. So now instead of being runner on first, one out, one run game, you now have two outs, nobody on, momentum all switches back to Wiley now. Absolutely. You know, we lost a uh, game to Lubbock Coronado second round of the playoffs where we had bases loaded, and uh, my kid slid through the black. You have to slide to the bag, yeah. and my kid slid beyond. You know, we had the tying run score, oh. momentum change, oh, uh, yeah. but uh, that you know that run came off the board. And it's a safety play. And then, of course, they were playing on turf at Hermley, and if you hadn't slid yes. on turf, you tend to slide. Yes. Um, so you've got to practice that. Yeah. I mean, because you've got to start your slide a little bit deeper on turf or else you're going to slide right past that back. I totally agree that you have to start in in and outs practicing sliding on the turf. They're all different. Wiley's turf, you can start your you can start your slide just past the first base circle and you will slide <laughs> You're going to get there. You're going to get there. Where other bases, I saw it the other day, one of our it was I will he will name he remain nameless. I don't want to embarrass him, but he's sliding into third base and he does a Wiley turf slide, but we're not at Wiley. He hits his chest and he comes to a complete stop. Boom. <laughs> just he had to crawl to third base to get there to finish the play. He made it barely, but he made it. But he That's just great. hit the turf. But you do on your in and outs now probably need to incorporate his coaches. You kind of have an idea. Sliding Certainly. practice, yeah, yeah, surface practice. Absolutely, and like I said, you know that and that play into we second played base. on dirt, which is all the same pretty much. Oh, well, absolutely. But that you know that play is and it's you know it's there for the player safety. But uh, you know sometimes it's hard once you get the momentum going to stop on the bag. Absolutely. And the other big uh, thing that came up as the game changed, uh, these are two injury things that happened during the game, is we, uh, our star pitcher, uh, Connor Carlton, who's just been an ace. The guy's like 30, I don't know, like 34-2 and two in his high school career. He's, sure, he's special. Good. He's very special. He develops a blister on his long finger of his throwing hand because he throws that curve, that hard right. spinning curve where you pull with the inside of your long finger. 
And so he develops a blister and has to come out of the game. Luckily, uh, the next pitcher, uh, Zach Smith, did great. But blisters, I thought we could talk about how you take care of a blister, right? Because it happens a lot. You know, it happens in football. It happens in baseball. And it can be a game changer. I mean, when you get oh, a star pitcher and he's, he's dealing, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, it's just a blister. But you really can't pitch. You can't get the feel for it. It hurts. You try and take pressure off of it, which changes the entire curve. And now it hangs. It doesn't have that hard spin. It doesn't drop. So it can be a game changer. So I looked at the uh, – I actually called Hawk late at night, our producer of a radio show here, former athletic trainer for Texas Tech. And I said, hey, call your buddies. Let's call some of the Major League Baseball uh, athletic trainers we've had on the show. So we start making the rounds. Hawk does. <coughs> and uh, both he and I came up with one. We actually separately called different people. There's one called Stan's Rodeo Rub. It just sounds like it ought to work, Rodeo Rub. It's either going to be a good blister medication – or it's going to be really good on, like, a brisket and a steak. <laughs> it's one of the two, right? So the guy's name that invented this is Stan Johnston. He was a, he's a, a current uh, athletic trainer for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it, it is – and most people have heard of these these elements. But these are, this is what is in the different rub that you put on a blister. Because there's different types of blisters. There's the ones that are still big and full of fluid and blood. And there's ones that have popped, and now it's open, and it's abrased, and you see the – and it's very tender to touch because it's open. And so if it's open like that, you need to dry it out to let it start healing up. You've got to get it dried off. So you use something called alum powder, which is a cooking ingredient. I know you and I wouldn't know what that is. I'm no, sure our wives do no probably. Idea. I like probably eating stuff with a little alum powder. I don't know what that means. But alum powder is something you can buy that's a cooking ingredient. You take a tincture of uh, benzoin, a betadine-like product. You've all seen iodine. We probably you remember when you were a kid, your mom would put that mm-hmm. iodine on there to burn, and so you'd never tell your mom about an injury unless it was life-threatening because you didn't want her to put the burning stuff on your fingers. Tincture of benzoin is an ingredient. And uh, either rubbing alcohol, if it is open, because if it's open and you put rubbing alcohol in there, it's a, it, it uh, evaporates really fast and it helps dry it out. Or if it's still full of blood, get this, hemorrhoid ointment. Well, there you have it. There you have it. Cutting yeah. edge. <laughs> <laughs> so what it does is it pulls that blood out of there. But if you put that, you take the you take uh, the alum powder and you put a little ben, uh, tincture of benzoin in there and you put uh, your uh, a rubbing alcohol and you make a paste out of it. And then you apply the paste and then the paste dries and it's kind of flaky and then it comes off. And then you can do that up to several times a day until it dries out and then you go out and start throwing again. And once you go out and start throwing again, if it bothers you, sometimes you can put either super glue or they have a, the medical version of that is uh, called new skin. Mm-hmm. You put a little bit of that on there. You can't put a lot. If you put a lot, you'll lose your, your feel, your tactile sensation of a curveball. But a little bit on there and then you can go out and throw so it gives you a little bit of protection. But there's how you treat a blister, Scotty Sanchez. There you go. And for uh, big leagues. And, and you think, I mean, that's, uh, that's a common a common injury. The only and thing it, you heard about the whole thing was hemorrhoid ointment, did you? Well, you know, and, and I didn't know you could use it for that. <laughs> I, I've used that uh, for bags under my eyes before, but never. I didn't, never want, to for I didn't want to go there. I don't, want to, I don't want to stop the conversation right now. I always thought you were going to bring up the George Brett. Remember George Brett couldn't slide feet first in the World Series because he's dealing with hemorrhoids? That's right. And then he did right after the World Series. What did he do? He went on commercials for Preparation H. <laughs> we just gave Preparation H a plug right we now because of George plug. Brett. There you go. Yeah. And it all started and you put with, it on your face. It all started okay. with Connor's blister. There you have yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. Went from Connor's blister to you putting a Preparation H on your face. So, anyway. Oh, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> but did you know that's how you treat a blister? I no, I didn't. We and you know we were we were blessed. We never really, um, we never had anybody that threw a very good curveball. No, I'm kidding. We had some <laughs> kids that uh, we really did, but we never really had any a blister uh, problems throughout the, the course of my career there. What you know, the other thing is uh, a lot of people are trying because you, you know as baseball players we always got calluses, and then sometimes you get calluses or calluses or blisters under sure. your calluses, 
and they would rip off. My dad's treatment was uh, you soaked everything in Epsom salt. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if it actually worked or it was so painful that you never complained about it ever, ever again because it's salt. And you'd have open, you know, calluses. You put your hand in there and it'd like burn and sear it <laughs> off for a little while. So you stopped complaining about it for sure. But he thought that toughened up your hand as a catcher. That's what he always had everybody to do. It's so funny how there's always so many different remedies. But people use Stan's Rodeo Rub. Uh, say it's like a miracle cure for blisters. So if you're out there and you got a blister on your finger and you're throwing finger and you need to get out and pitch again, you can try that and see how it goes. But that's from the several uh, big league athletic trainers, Texas Tech athletic trainers, Dallas Cowboys athletic. We had the whole, like the whole West Central Texas and multiple <laughs> cities throughout the United States working on this finger last night. And you never know when that might be the difference in uh, going on and trying to repeat as a state champ. Yeah, there you go. Stan's it. Rodeo Rub. Stan's Rodeo Rub. And try it on your brisket. And just don't eat it. It might kill you. But <laughs> yeah. But a couple other big stories in the uh, medical news right now is, uh, okay, we're going to call this uh, last couple minutes here for Scotty Sanchez. We're going to call this Guess the Weight segment. Guess the Weight segment. Here so we we'll go. start off by saying Eddie Lacy, who would get a $250,000, I'm sorry, a $55,000 bonus if he showed up under 255 pounds. He's a running back for Seattle. Uh, who's had a big t- issue with his weight when it was with the Packers and now Seattle. So he would make $55,000 if he came into camp OTAs under 255 pounds. What did he show up at? He got the bonus. Oh, sure. like the Jeopardy music right there. He got the bonus. Um, 242. 253. So you had a little more faith in Eddie Lackey than he did himself. Oh, so he didn't get the bonus. Just enough to get the bonus. He had oh, to come just, in under oh. 255. Oh, under 255. He didn't wow. do too much. He just did enough. Wow, that's perfect. Haven't you ever been there? You know, you didn't need to get the A to pass the class. You just had to get the C. <laughs> I just got the C. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Then there, okay, here we go. Kelvin Benjamin, he is the Panthers wide receiver. He came in at the uh, heavy last year. He was weighing 245 pounds, and they had asked him possibly to lose some weight. What did Kelvin Benjamin show up at? Oh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm really confident on this. I, before I did this, I worked at a circus. Um, <laughs> 225. Yeah, no, 285. Wrong direction, Kelvin Benjamin. He's a wide receiver. Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin, Kelvin Benjamin. Benjamin. I was thinking uh, Kenley Benjamin. So he is not uh, coming in where he needs to be at, and so he has come in overweight. And I'll tell you what, watching him uh, uh, run some patterns for the uh, Panthers, he de- definitely looks like an offensive lineman out there running. But, you know, he's been a good good guy for the, uh, the Panthers, so we'll see how he does. But, yeah, guess the weight. You uh, did okay. I would say not great. You know, the first okay. one wasn't bad. Wasn't that bad. That was in the wasn't ballpark. Bad. The second one was awful. Well, I want to say thank you to Coach Scotty Sanchez being my co-host this week, as well as Austin Gamble, as well as Dr. Paul Sines, all our wonderful guests. But most of all, I want to say thank you to our wonderful fans with Docs and Jocks. Remember, you can listen to us anytime, anywhere by going to your iTunes podcast, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Until next week, so long from all of us uh, here at Docs and Jocks, myself, Dr. Dan, and Scotty Sanchez. We'll see you next week. <laughs>